Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to uh, <laughs> welcome back to Morning Edition. I'm Audie Cornish. Hmm. That's that groove, man, <laughs> has been in my head. That's I haven't been able to get that out of my head for thirty years. <laughs> it's so God. It's clean. Out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed, call Andy and Kelly. For your business paper needs or Dundamip, then the people purchase paper people. Dundamip, then the people purchase paper people. Dundamip, then the people purchase paper people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and co-founder of the Committee to Plan Parties, Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin Janes, your office administrator. And with us as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Michael, do you remember you specifically told me to only bring one sheet of paper? You said it only takes one sheet to make a difference. And I said, are you sure, Michael? And you said, Pam, Pam, Pam. And then you sneezed in my tea, and then you said, don't worry, it's just allergies. Do you remember that? Uh, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look out, world. Because old Pammy is getting what she wants. And don't call her Pammy, because today's episode is about... Pamela Morgan Beasley, a.k.a. the Bart Simpson of Scranton, Big Pregs, Pamela <laughs> Ding Dong, Spamster, Pamburger with Cheese, and Fries, and Shake. That's all, those are all the ones I had right Spam- now. <laughs> what is Spamster? Michael says it to Pam, and, he's, and she says, Pam plus Bam, and he goes, plus Spamster, plus Hamster. <laughs> plus Ham- <laughs> okay. She's like trying to break it down. Right? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. A.K.A. What does he call after he's watching Devil Is Prada? Maher- he- Makushla. Makushla, yeah. Whatever he yeah, calls Yeah, yeah. From Million Dollar Baby. He's going to kill he's me. He's going to try and kill me. <laughs> anyway. So, this week, we're talking about Pam. Pam is one of the main characters of the show. She appears in every episode. Her personal journey spans the entire course of the show. Her voiceover wraps up the finale. She, Pam is a character that mm. we've been kind of waiting to dig into, yeah. waiting to kind of focus on. And uh, I think it's one that we haven't talked about enough. I think one of the things that happens with Pam is she gets talked about as like the other half in her relationship with Jim or as is a, a, a side part of the Michael Scott Paper Company arc mm-hmm. or as a, like a almost an accessory to other characters and other mm-hmm. relationships. So I think we're going to take this time to look into what Cam, Pam's character is and what it means to the show. 
Uh, Pam, of course, played by Jenna Fisher. Um, and there, I was just listening to a great podcast with Jenna Fisher. She was on off camera with Sam Jones, and um, I, it was a really great um, interview. So go and listen to it if if, if you got the time. But That's, th- is that the black and white? Uh, yeah, they do videos on yeah, okay. YouTube too. Yeah, um, but there's so many weird parallels to her life. Um, uh, uh, Jenna's with Pam's. Um, she broke off an engagement to move to LA to become an actor. Um, and uh, in that interview, she talks about all these different things. She's talking about how she's got this book about how to help young actors um, make it in Los Angeles, and you know, talking about how she never skipped a step in becoming famous. So she. Uh, worked as an extra on Pleasantville and all these other, you know, that she was always climbing, 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 never really made a big break. Do you know what the book is called? Is it Somehow We Manage? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) She tells this great story about how she broke into some party and met Molly Shannon and Molly Shannon told her to never give up and that's always kept her going. Um, What was really great about listening to this podcast is just how relatable Jenna Fisher is as a person. It, it made me realize just how much, how, how relatable Pam is really. Um, I, I just one more thing too. I thought it was interesting. She, um, uh, there's a movie that she wrote and directed a long time ago when she was on the office. I'm pretty sure, um, called Lolly love, uh, that she made with James Gunn who, Oh yeah. James writes Gunn. and directs the, uh, guardians of the galaxy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, that's just a brief... You know, she was married to a man named Jim for a while. Or a man named James. That was James Gunn, I'm pretty sure. I don't think they were they were married. Yeah, yeah. She 2000, was mar- two, wow. 2000 to 2008, yeah. Okay. You were just yeah. going to not mention that until I mentioned it? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> so she was, wow. So she was married to a man named yeah, Jim? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. eight years? A Jim. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. And she was, I mean, she was also pregnant when she was pregnant in the show. Another with her character and her. My goodness. That's crazy. I did not realize that, that that was... I know in an interview she talked about, oh, I have my gym, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize yeah. it was James Gunn because he got he became famous so much later. Right, right. right. Yeah. 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 I, I had no idea that she moved, um, that she like broke off an engagement and moved to L.A. Do you know where from? Oh. I know she's from St. Louis. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. There's a blooper where she and Aaron are having a talk... Aaron... Um, Ellie Kemper, mm-hmm. they're having a talking head together, and they like they start over. And uh, I think Jenna Fisher says, "Look at us, two girls from St. Louis, or something like that." Oh, okay, yeah. all right, mm-hmm. yeah. I I think that I think it's important just to to note that because I think that Jenna Fisher does such an amazing job of bringing bringing that part of herself into mm-hmm. the character of Pam. Um, she speaks a lot about how uh, her chemistry with John Krasinski is. Uh, is undeniable as well. Well, and, and that's, and you, you mentioned her relatability. Uh, I think the, the nuance she sort of like brings to Pam is these, these small little moments. It's the moments where she's sort of introspective where she's looking off camera where she has these, uh, so much of the work she has to do, especially with Jim is nonverbal. Like there's hmm. so much of their chemistry and their relationship and a lot of how she interacts with people in the office. It's all these glances. It's all of these, size these little moments and so she has to act with so much relatable nuance especially given the fact that you know her and jim are sort of these quote-unquote sane characters amidst all this madness that you need you have to relate to the both of them yeah it it occurred to me also while just kind of listening to this and and thinking about pam and like just like speaking to her being relatable um i feel like watching it again 
uh, from her perspective, I relate to Pam the most, maybe. It, I, it mm. kind of occurred to me that, like, Jim is, like, a little too smart and cunning, really, for you to see yourself in him, right? Pam always just kind of... Too tall, t- too handsome. Yeah. Got those boyish good looks. At least in the early seasons, Pam is always, like, kind of taking it. And I think we see ourselves a little bit in that character, I think, you know, we talk about Jim a lot and we haven't done a real a real episode on Jim and we yeah. will. Certainly we've been waiting to do it. But in, in a lot of ways, Jim is played as an audience surrogate. He's a straight man. He's looking directly into the camera, making a facial expression to kind of communicate to the audience like what you're supposed to kind of be feeling in this moment to realize how silly or inappropriate or funny like a certain scenario is. But I think in, in another way, like Jim also. In this this office environment, that's very it starts out as very dour and is very mundane, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like on purpose, Jim is kind of the force that go is is striving for something better and is eventually looking to kind of improve himself. And it's professionally mm-hmm. for Jim; it's all about success and kind of climbing the ladder, right? Mm-hmm. And when you flip that to Pam, Pam is actually very, very, very similar in the looks that she gives to the camera. Not nearly as many as Jim per se, mm-hmm. but almost emotionally, she's trying to build a different life for herself, right? She's stuck in this this engagement that she's not really committed to. And, you know, later on in the show, she's stuck in this job that she's not committed to, right? And eventually she's she's striving for another life, a better life as well. But that better life isn't necessarily another company in Philadelphia or a job in corporate or a management or senior position or anything. It's finding the person that she loves and starting a family and finding a life that they're comfortable with together, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, when Jim and Pam really chafe and what they want from life really kind of becomes a conflict, right? I think that's what we see, that, that, that sort of divergence between their ambitions for a better life. And I think mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, Pam is the emotional heart of the show. Pam, you know, you talk about relatability, and I think that's a big piece of it. But, like, there's so much where Pam not only just is relatable in what she's going through, but also the emotional intelligence that she shows to other characters. She's one of the only emotionally intelligent characters on the show. Hmm. And Jim, I think, displays a little of that, but Pam is the one who actually makes good on it. Pam, yeah. we'll talk about this, but Pam is the one who's outwardly kind to other characters, even yeah. if a lot of times it gets thrown right back in her face. Right, right. You know, um, So she has to kind of learn to assert herself. And uh, again, like the whole show is Pam trying to be better or looking to be better, even when she doesn't know it. Right. You know, yeah. uh, that's funny that you bring up like, you know, comparing uh, her emotional intelligence to Jim's. I think like a direct reflection of that is uh, Survivor Man. We see Jim decide that he's going to group everyone's birthdays together. And Pam knows it's not going to work because she is thinking about people. And mm-hmm. Jim is kind of just thinking about how to get through the day or something like that and isn't actually... Uh, worried about how people feel. I'm think- also the moment. Oh, I, I was thinking the moment where they're both in the car with Aaron. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah, then well, Jim's too. just like, I just had to not be in there. Well, that, that is just blatant. Because that does that does that doesn't interest me at all. Yeah, like that's that's sort of the two of them. Also, uh, one of my favorite Jim and Pam moments is when they're both like. There's these great moments when they kind of team up and they're on the same page, but mm-hmm. also still trying to. They know that one of them has to be the good person like mm-hmm. in dinner party where Pam brilliantly reels Jim back into the party. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you can always get new stuff, but you can't get a new party, you know, yeah, and yeah. brings him back into it. And yeah. she's just like, no, 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 you're not leaving me here. Like <laughs> yeah. we we're doing this together. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very, very good at those, at doing those moments kind of in front of everyone's noses sometimes too. Mm-hmm. There's another moment for Jim and that's, this is not an episode about Jim, but where Ooh. I think it's Andy and, and Gabe and Gabe confronts Andy in the bathroom. 
oh, right, right about yeah, yeah. how he, <laughs> about like not dating Aaron or not going after Aaron again. And Jim happens to be in there and he yeah. follows them out. Yeah. And like they're clear, like the camera clearly goes to Jim to ask him what he thinks. And he goes, "You guys are following people in the bathroom now." Yeah, like that's right. what he says. Yeah. It's just kind of a dismissal. But right. let's get back to Pam. Pam, season one, dating Roy. Jim is in love with her. He sounds like inside the actor's studio. <laughs> <laughs> May I talk to Roy? <laughs> um, hey, Roy here. <laughs> Pam's an interesting character in this season. She's kind of, again, you know, obviously she's this audience surrogate. We see a lot of her one-on-one with Michael. Um, First she, person to get fake fired. F- fake fired. She gets mistreated um, a lot in this very short season. Um a, a moment that comes to mind is uh, when Kevin uh, in Hot Girl uh, tells, asks if Pam is worried about um, Amy Adams being in the office. And he's like, well, she's hotter than you. And Pam stands up for herself in that moment and says, that's a very rude thing to say, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, she she kind of, um, uh, you know, keeps her head down. Stays quiet uh, a lot in this uh, season. Um, she seems oblivious, maybe, to Jim being in love with her. And uh, even though Roy, we don't really we don't like Roy as an audience. She seems to be really into it. I think yeah, Pam is is very much like a kinder character who's very much um, she's very meek in this season because of the fact that she's the, recep- the receptionist. Michael is such a domineering presence and often is asking her to do crazy things. Like, just in general, Pam enters the show as someone who's very shy, but, like, also has these little flashes, right? So much of the early show is people with flashes. Jim mm-hmm. having these flashes of, of interest and uh, of, of, hum- of humor and things like that. And with Pam, it's all about, like, her how funny she is and how she can, like, really surprise these different characters mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think that comes to bear later on in the show as Pam always kind of knows what Michael's doing mm-hmm. and she can kind of read where Michael's going and like she knows what Michael's thinking. So yeah. Pam, I mean, you can call it emotional intelligence if you want, but just like this idea to kind of this, that the, this idea that Pam is more aware than she lets on or that Pam is seeing more than you maybe expect, I think kind of happens early in the season. I think if we're talking broad strokes about who Pam is in the show, like I think we can talk like in chunks, right? So mm-hmm. maybe we don't need to go season by season, but like, Season one, season two, like Pam is very much in that role. I'm thinking really specifically of a role, a moment in the injury when Pam doesn't want to go pick up Michael when Michael's hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when uh, Michael finally does get to the office, he says to Pam, you know, oh, so were there any messages? And she says, no, there weren't any messages. And uh, he says, well, it seems so important that you be here. And she says, well, that's my job. And he goes, your job is being my friend, Pam. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> she's she's a babysitter for a lot. Yeah, <laughs> early right. on, like, and I think I think it's funny you mentioned like talking about it in chunks. Like, her role is very uh, it, it has like the jobs that she actually holds in the office is very much a reflection of her responsibilities to the other characters, mm-hmm. not just in the workplace, but who she is. Like, she's a receptionist for this first, you know, five seasons, five seasons or so, and unfortunately, a lot of her job is is just shouldering the burdens of, of like men mostly yeah. like she's defined by her relationships to all these guys. I, and I, like she takes care she babysits Michael's feelings. She takes care of Jim. Mm-hmm. She deal. She's like, Kevin is just saying insulting things to her. She's literally just putting everyone's stuff in order like yeah. as a receptionist. Mm-hmm. And then eventually moves on to salesman and even office administrator where she's like, I'm actually the smartest, one of the smartest people here. 
and I know how things should be run, and mm-hmm. that's always been my role here, and now I'm getting paid appropriately for it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote, I did make a note that was like, it seems like, you know, it, you know, maybe Pam stands up for herself a couple of times. Um, she does um, get a little bit of pranking in um, with Dwight uh, in season one during the Alliance. She goes downstairs and makes a phone call while he's locked in a box. Um, but otherwise, it kind of seems like she's really just there to be almost like an object of of all these people's desire. Jim, Roy, Michael, uh, uh, you know, even Kevin, even Ryan. Um, a weird comment from Creed every now and then, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and like, you know, episodes like basketball game, you know, she kind of plays it, plays into it a little bit, right? She's sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. like likes fueling the competition between Roy and Jim and things like that. Jim and Daryl in the ping pong mm-hmm. later. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we do see, start to see her come out episode one of season two, the Dundies. Where she gets drunk and kind of has the, uh, not an outburst, but yeah. she is really loud and more dramatic the at, walls the, come at down. the award show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, she's, uh, the inhibitions go yeah. away, right? And she's, the limits she, of work she, are Yeah, gone. expresses herself more or whatever. Yeah. And I think just in general, like, we see Pam is so, the other characters really tread all over Pam, right? For, in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And we see Pam begin to not just have flashes, but, like, there's a personality. There's a person there. And I'm thinking specifically of Boys and Girls in season two where... The idea is that Jan comes down and she's looking for, you know, lower level workers in the company who maybe have ambition or promise or potential to be something else. And Pam expresses this interest in graphic design, you know, and Mm -hmm. she talks about wanting to be an artist and being interested in that. And I think that's the first time we hear about that. Mm -hmm. And the episode ends with Roy telling her that, like, it's not going to happen. Like, he's really saying no. And Pam is talking about having a house with a porch that wraps around that she just starts crying, you know. Mm -hmm. So, Pam, it it feels so trapped and very much locked in. I mean, where is the upper trajectory professionally for for a receptionist, right? And, you know, emotionally or romantically or in life, like, where are you going if you're going forward with a person that you don't love and that is kind of suppressing you, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, there's... It it seems um, not hopeless for Pam because Jim is always around, right? But uh, but it does, you know. Pam does not have a lot going for her early on, you know. No, no. There's there's a very critical moment too, basically right before, like when, you know, when Jim's comes back. Jim comes back from New York and like knocks on the door, and she's she's basically at that moment she's like, you know what? I'm fine if Jim never comes back. I've moved on. I've got my own things going on. I'm taking art classes. Like, I'm I'm optimistic about the future. You know, um, and that's kind of the first time in those first few seasons that she has this moment of like where she feels like she's at this plateau and she's finally not really either doing what Roy wants her to or trying to, you know, be with Jim or anything. It's just sort of this is who she is. And she's we see her dealing with that. I think, you know, what you the, the, the moment that you're bringing that you're bringing up, I think, is a really important one to bring up um, the end of season when, three. Yeah, as we were planning this episode, I was thinking, you know, in terms of what role does Pam play in the show and then what is her personal development in the show? Yes. And we're actually kind of doing both as we kind of chart this out right now. And I think in season three, so much of what we see from Pam is, again, self-assertion, becoming more, standing up for herself, speaking up more, right? right? right. That, quote where, that quote where she says, don't call me Pammy, you know, like that, yep. that all happens in season three. And that happens when Jim is dating Karen and she's already broken up with Roy, right? right. So even though there's this uncomfortable sort of tension with Karen and Jim and she's there, you know, yeah. um, I think what we get by the course of season three is that Pam becomes her own person. She is independent. She is, she's I not think tethered to, it's important that Pam is comfortable with who she is and is a strong character without 
her romantic relationship to do mm-hmm. that for her. You mm-hmm. know, I think that's super, super important. Yeah. And the fact that Pam says, I'm okay with who I am. Like I'm feeling, you know, I'm optimistic about the future. Right. Before Jim comes in and asks her out on the date, like there's only that brief moment where we really see it, but it is important that we see it, that Pam, be, you know, Pam's character is not dependent on her romantic relationship. And I think that's super important to, to call out. Hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So that's, we see season three end with that really, I think one of the most exciting moments on the oh, show. Oh, yeah. When, when, when Jim actually comes in. and, and Maybe and, even just the, even the moment after Jim coming well, in. Uh, that, and that, she just yes. turns to the camera and smiles yes. and says, what yes. were we talking about? Yeah, what was the question? And yeah. it's just like, yeah. Because, yeah. I, I, you know what sucks is like, you know, uh, so much of what we talk about Pam is in, like I say, relationship to Jim or relationship to Michael. And it's not about her. Right. And I feel like that's another moment where it's like, oh, here's Jim coming in to sort of save this moment but really it is it is it is jenna fisher in that moment after that that mm-hmm. like delivers all the emotional weight of that moment it's just awesome um but then after we get into season four and this begins uh sort of the business school arc for pam yeah well i think uh the business school arc <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh, so in, se- in, se- yeah. <laughs> like, like, in, in season four cool. jim and pam are together but they're kind of they're kind of settled their romantic yeah. dynamic is not at the forefront of the plot of the show this is just a nice time for us as well the they get the, this is when they actually the office finally you know they've suspected it but right it's official. it finally happens um and i think we do see this a lot really of really good this is really good <laughs> my heart soars with the eagle's nest. <laughs> her, her name was Pam. She was a receptionist. She sat over there. His name was Jim. He was a salesman. He sat over there. I brought these people together. <laughs> I'm Cupid. <laughs> I'm gonna shoot you with my sparrow. Yeah. Find a little, find a little bird when he gets the job. Oh, no, done. he has like a love gun, right? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's season four. Uh, we see Pam kind of supporting Michael. I think that's like a big role that she plays is this emotional support for Michael, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's that moment where he's like the robot and he's like, oh, we are office drones. All we do is work, right. is work. Yep. And she has to come in, like take the battery out. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and then, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and in chair model, for example, Pam is the first person to volunteer to set Michael up with anyone. Oh, yeah. She's yeah, like, I've yeah. got someone for you, Michael. You know, and it's, it's, uh, it's her landlord, right? Um, Landlady? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so P- Pam does show, I think, more you know connection to Michael, or she's more willing to like be kind to Michael than some of the other characters in season four. And then in season five, that's when we do get the art school arc, and then you get Michael Scott Paper mm-hmm. Company. And in the art school arc, we see Pam go to New York and try to become a graphic designer. Eventually, she does encounter some failure and comes back. Um, and then you know later on, she does go into the she joins the Michael Scott so, Paper Company. So like, what I want to talk about with the art school thing is is. If Pam goes and comes back, what was the what was the point of the art school arc? I think just in general, it gives Pam an opportunity to to kind of get out of Scranton, an opportunity to spread her wings, an opportunity to explore this passion, right? Someone who's had this sort of deep set passion, as opposed to someone like Jim, who seems to be more poised for success in a managerial role. And same with Dwight, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone who's more inclined for paper industry success. Mm-hmm. Pam is pursuing sort of an artistic dream, right? Even though it's a job, it's also a or a profession. It's also a calling for her in some level, right? So I think it's important on one hand that she gets to explore that. And on the other, she does experience failure here. She does get a setback. And I think it's true to the show a little bit that not everything works out all the time for everyone. And so Pam does encounter this failure. And then she has to kind of make a choice. If she's going to double down and stay in art school or come back to Scranton, 
where she's at home and where she can be around not just Jim but her family and uh, like what's what's comfortable for her. And I think one thing we do see from Pam is that she is pretty comfortable in Scranton, even though she dreams of New York a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, Soho is mostly lost, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but anyway, I think that's that's why it's you know there is something to be there, even if it's failure. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see that it, it makes her stronger in a little way. In in a way, it 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 she learns to let things go. Maybe even to let some dreams go. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, something that kind of funny that happens where Jim finds out that Pam is failing art school, and all the other characters in the show already know. Like, oh yeah, you just found out that Pam's failing art school, right? <laughs> and Dwight's like, oh yeah, did you see that painting? She that picture she drew up on the wall. And they're like, it has two sh- shadows coming from two directions. <laughs> and they're like, Dwight, like, let's say, lay yeah, off, lay off. There, and he right. goes, what? Are there two suns? Like, yeah, yeah. And the Andromeda galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <laughs> the very kind of bluntness that yeah. Pam really enjoys about Dwight, mm-hmm. and we see later. Mm. Well, just that, like, I love this idea that the other characters see things about Jim and Pam that we don't. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah like That's when somebody impersonates point. Jim and everybody laughs, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man, like, maybe, I don't know, man, maybe we can, like, listen to some records. And they all find it funny. Like, they all mm-hmm. laugh. Like, I-, I love that we get a little moment like that. Mm. But anyway. Well, then, uh, of course, after this, she goes right back to being the receptionist in Scranton. She goes right back to uh, being the, the copier's bitch. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and she's getting a little fed up with it. And right about that time is when Michael Scott decides to quit and form his own company. I, th- I think this moment, too, is, is echoed by her whole art school experience, too, which is like this whole show is very like the office is very traditional. Right. In tons of ways. I mean, it takes place in this just sort of cookie cover random office building in America. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of it, like we say, an American it, workplace, an American mm-hmm. workplace. And it's like Pam's the emotional heart of the show. The show is about kind of the American dream. I'm getting real heady here, but mm-hmm. really it is. No, no, it's no, about like it. these people who are in their work and they're sort of start at this place of like we are single and we're going to try and have a family. We're going to get a house. We're going to advance our careers. <laughs> what does having like, it all mean to you? <laughs> a job right. and a family. <laughs> right. And it's sort of like, like that's what the show is about. And, and that means that sort of Pam is at the center of this because mm-hmm. she's, she's the driving force behind a lot of this between, between her and Jim and, and the whole show in general. And so like they have to like, feel like the whole art school arc is a, is a reflection of that. Like she's got to take a shot at it. She's got to try. Mm-hmm. Like, she's not going to not try, especially on the heels of breaking up with Roy who clearly was stifling her desires to go to art school. Like she has to do that. That Jim is going to like, is, is going to support her in that, you know, mm-hmm. where Roy probably didn't. And she's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. So we, we see her at least try it. And the fact that she fails, whether or not she's actually a good artist, whether or not it has to do with how hard the computer programs are. And she'd rather just actually draw and paint mm. who knows. But um, I think it's really important that we see her struggle. Those phone calls they have, uh, it, it strengthens their relationship too. And it kind of, sends it into uh, yeah. all the way through their marriage. It kind of pushes it and gives them the sort of strength that, that wasn't there before. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is Pam is our Jay Gatsby and art school is our Daisy Buchanan and Roy is Tom Buchanan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so we beat on boats against the current yeah. born ceaselessly into New York. That's right. Who's well, Nick? In okay, whatever. Well, so Michael Scott, Toby Maguire. Michael Scott paper company. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or, or Paul Rudd, if you watch the TV version of The Great Gatsby. Anywho, we have, we're gonna <laughs> back on track here. Uh, the Michael Scott Paper Company, obviously one of our favorite parts of the whole show. I gotta say, uh, Pam is a big part of that. Watching her interact with Michael, <laughs> she's very comfortable with him now. She's like, 
she has learned to, um, you know, just kind of like, I mean, you know, Michael opening the door in his robe and saying, my hooker's here for their first <laughs> business meeting. You know, Pam's just kind of like, like put on some clothes, <laughs> like let's mm-hmm. get going. You know, she just kind of lets that, oh, it's Michael being Michael. I think there's a moment, you know, where Pam is, uh, when Charles comes in and Charles is really asserting himself and really trying to bring Michael, Rain, in Rain and Michael, yeah, of our days and our nights, um, of our wrongs and our rights. <laughs> uh, there's Pam is working on this new copier and she's so, and, and in the moment she's like, I finished this new copier, I could do a bound book, I could print different colors, I could do collated things. And then there's this moment where she looks uh, like off in the distance, right? Right. And it's almost like if you compare that to the art school arc, it's like that's that sort of big failure is more fulfilling than this tiny success, right? Oh, yeah. Like what's yeah. more significant, right? Yeah. So Pam does roll the dice to go with Michael, and she does assert herself to want to become saleswoman and uh, salesman. And uh, <laughs> then uh, she does have to kind of help Michael get through, again, Supporting other characters, being kind of this voice of reason, this the support figure, right? Yeah. Be like, all right, Michael, what's one thing we can do today? Because Michael is so overwhelmed, he's got a million things. He's like, I got to do ten thousand things before I get dressed. You know? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. gets a lot of practice being a mother with Michael before she actually has to be a mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, whether she asks for that or not. Think about how well prepared she is to raise a teenager. Oh my already. gosh, it's kind of crazy. Like when she's trying to get him to do any sort of work during pretzel day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. she has to like keep track of what she what he's doing. You know. Yeah, I, I mentioned this before too, but the moment when she tells Michael, "I don't want to be a receptionist anymore," uh, Michael just says, "Right." He just says the word "right" in a way that conveys he's right. not surprised at yeah. all, and that yeah. this is something you've been able to tell about Pam. He probably, for a while. I mean, at this point, he probably has a lot more respect for Pam than he than he did when he we started the show in season one. You know, I I think he treats her like you know a doormat a little bit. She he's. Mm-hmm. He's, she's he's, always the butt of his jokes. Exactly, yeah. Um, all, you know, of course, she, he does the fake firing, like all these different things. He He's always, you know, second, like uh, doesn't appreciate her and all these things. Mm-hmm. But at this point, he now, I think, has a has a has a a lot of respect for her. Of course, he goes to her art show and all these other things before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a, a good example of. Uh, yeah, and, and that role for her like allows her basically to speak the language of anyone in the office. And you see you see that displayed time and again throughout the entire show. And she's able like the scene where she's just trying to get this is jumping ahead, but when she's trying to get signatures from department heads to be yeah. an office administrator. Season seven. You see her all these moments uh, you know, interacting with the character in a way that make them like her and mm-hmm. they don't notice that what they're signing or whatever right. she's real so it's just like this moment that kind of encapsulates the, like, where they show her talking to meredith, meredith. and she's just like air humping like, really, and meredith silently like thrusting it yeah it, it, it's a really good be like another great example of her emotional yeah, intelligence exactly all the time she spent dealing with everyone's bullshit and she yeah. knows how to like deal with everybody she knows exactly what they like and to hear hugely respect about pam i just want to say on its own she didn't buy ryan's bullshit from day one she never lets up and I love, I love that about Pam she's just never believed him that is so true there is one time where they're asking about wedding gifts and Ryan's like would you rather have $100 now or $10,000 six weeks from now and then it ends with Ryan just putting yeah. an envelope in his the pocket the guy has an algorithm to predict oh that's right every that's true. college basketball game and then she's yeah. like ah oh, what 
<laughs> Don't tell Jim. But anyway, All right, she had one. Michael last. Scott, one paper last. company, Pam. Yes. So she, thank you. She, as a saleswoman, she does kind of gain reps and experience. She, re, she's not going to take the phone calls. She's not going to make the copies because if she does that once, she goes back into being the receptionist. So they do kind of tend, learn to kind of honor her and to value her, you know, and the, or to respect her at the very least, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, when eventually they are resorbed into Dunder Mifflin, she comes back as a saleswoman. Right? I resorbed the fetus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now I have the strength of a grown man and a tiny baby. But, uh, so now the sales staff has the strength of receptionist Pam and salesman Pam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that 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 arc is like that arc doesn't exist without Pam. Like it only works because someone stood up and left the office with Michael. Michael would still be in his robe in his condo making pancakes uh, if if it weren't for Pam. Mm-hmm. So French he would have just making? that would have just French been toast. the end of Michael Scott. Like I don't know what he might have become a postman or something after that. I you That's know a great job for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's another episode. Alternative. He doesn't get to do Michael his comedy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. But, Although he does in little bits anyway. So after the Michael Scott paper company arc, this leads us to Pam and Jim in season six. And what do we kind of get from Pam and Jim in season six? We get Pam as a saleswoman, often working in conjunction with Jim to make sales. Mm-hmm. We get their marriage. We get their honeymoon. So they're out of the show for a little while, right? They get the thing where they're trying to come back and they're pitching to Donna as a combined sales team. Pam is a saleswoman. She's 100% part I of the staff. Give takes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And she goes, yee. Yeah. 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 She starts to get let off the hook. Yeah. She's, uh, it's kind of I funny. Deli- I just delivered a baby. They didn't give me a guarantee. I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> it is funny, like, how, for how much the show is a comedy, in the first five seasons, there's not a ton of comedy they give to Jenna Fisher, like these moments. And you see in the back half, which I think we're going to get into the back half of, of the show, she does a lot more actual comedic lifting and yeah. kind of spreads her wings. Like, oh, she, Jenna Fisher has, is really good at this, too. You know, she's very she's very good at setting up people for yes. you know like we talked about this ask, in the asking episode. the right questions <laughs> yeah i think too she's the only person that you know realizes that donna and michael might actually have something mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. including michael is willing to kind of like write it off it's not a big deal she's not interested at all right and you know pam is like no you know i think there's still a chance mm-hmm. she, what does she call she calls her a little miss boob shirt or something like yeah, that yeah <laughs> and uh <laughs> right and she's like women don't like heart-shaped jewelry and <laughs> jim is like and she goes, oh, no, except for that heart-shaped necklace you gave me. Which I love. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of what we get from Pam in season six. Not a lot of outright development, but Pam is who she is as a character on the show. And then in season seven, we do get a little bit more. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm moving too fast. You no, can no, stop no, me. No, not at all. But in season seven, we do get more of Pam asserting herself and more of Pam becoming uh, a different version of herself. I think, you know, we, you talked about uh, counseling. Episode two of season seven where Pam kind of realizes, she says, man, like, uh, you know, it's, she's like, I'm not good at sales, but it's not really fair because you're paying on commission. So if you're not good at sales, you don't make any money. She goes, I guess that's fair. So she kind of engineers the scenario where she kind of talks herself into becoming the office administrator, which uh, some people don't really like the way that she does this. But she does mm-hmm. kind of figure out a way to, to get corporate to sign off. And, and she does have to go around and get signatures from all the department mm-hmm. heads. Mm-hmm. She plays off the fact that this happened before they were bought by Sabre, right? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. talks Oscar into her salary, right? Mm-hmm. Gabe and, is the perfect corporate straw man to, mm-hmm. to, to just not get in the way. Mm-hmm. She's like, mm-hmm. the, the look in her say eyes it. when she's yeah. like, no, I want you to say it. Yeah. Say that I lied. He's been, I've, he says, I've been through all the books, you know, and I've, I can't find anything that says that you're the office administrator, but he doesn't want to come out now right, and accuse right. her, you know? 
Um, so yes, the, she does become office administrator, right? And then later in that season, she has to go kind of head to head with Dwight, the building owner, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a moment I think that's super important where she and Jim are in the stairwell, and she's trying to, you know, bluff Dwight into getting rid of all the terrible things that he's been doing: the big mm-hmm. roach banner, the motion lights, the single ply mm-hmm. toilet paper mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Don't get me started on how coddled the modern anus is." Mm-hmm. <laughs> she goes to meet Dwight in his like lair. Yeah, and, and yeah. Nate, Nate is there, like unplying the toilet yeah. paper, right? <laughs> Reply it. <laughs> I don't think it goes that way. <laughs> Reply it. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, Pam is in the stairwell. And she's talking to Jim, and she says, "You know, like I don't know if I can fail again." She says, "I failed at art school. I failed at sales. Like I don't want to fail again." I think that's a really incredible mm. moment of, of of honesty from Pam. You know, and. You know, Pam is someone who's trying to be better and trying to find these these things that she can be successful at, right? And it is it's it's really sad, but it's also there's this it makes the show more interesting and more compelling that yeah. there are these obstacles, these hurdles in her way. And what we get is Dwight overhearing from the stairwell and then like leaving the book of code on her desk or something right, like right. that. So Pam does become the office administrator and then later on in the show she does kind of continue to provide that emotional support to different characters she helps yeah. Aaron decide to break up with Gabe right so um, she you know she helps Dwight and Angela and this is kind of to backtrack but like through their through their separation right you know Pam is is helping out Angela you know Angela says I'm having relationship troubles and since you're always having relationship <laughs> right. troubles I thought you might be someone I could help out yeah so uh, and then uh, when they go on the, the when they go to visit Dwight's beat farm in season four, right? Pam, you know, kind of looks out for Dwight. She writes the nice review on TripAdvisor. She's like, yep. we had a really nice time. Yeah, but yeah. I, and in the midst of that, had a baby, you know, as well. Yeah. Um, I just delivered a baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and sort of like the, the the way I mean, we see her go through the pregnancy. She brings the kid into the office. This obviously happens twice once they have Philip in season nine, mm-hmm. not eight, right? Nine? Sure. Uh, the yes. Baby comes along? Yeah, no, so. it's, it happens in eight. Is it in eight? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, that, and it's sort of the first they time. Have, they have two babies in the family portrait studio. Right, that's right. right. Jim is like grabbing them both and like looking up with scared, <laughs> scared eyes at the lights. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and it's the first time, I guess, outside of uh, Hannah's baby and Astrid or Astrid. That someone in the office, you know, has is like bringing a baby in, and we sort of mm. see how all the different characters interact with that. Something that sort of happens throughout the show is Jim and Pam trying to conceal something from the rest of the office, or just like we're not ready to tell them just yet. And mm-hmm. then inevitably, Michael or someone leaks it, and they're like, "That's why we didn't want to tell them." And it <laughs> happens when they're dating. It happens when they're ready to get married. It happens when they have the baby or when they're pregnant. So it's like they always are very cautious with these people, but that's because they know them so well. And they know exactly how everyone's going to respond. And Pam has this intelligence that allows her to navigate through the office unlike anyone else, I think, mm-hmm. in the show. Mm-hmm. I think, too, you know, to move into season eight, right, and we're getting close to the end of the show and the end of Pam's journey but or her arc. But I think one really, like, we talk about season eight as kind of this weird outlier but that doesn't really feel as consistent with the rest of the show. Obviously, Robert California is there. They go to Florida, right? No, Michael. There are all these contributing factors. And I think another really big factor that kind of throws that season off center with the rest of the show is the fact that Pam is pregnant, one, mm-hmm. but also really kind of sidelined from a lot of main characters. Like, she, you know, there's the bigger storyline is the fact that there's a replacement for Pam and she's trying to get with Jim, Kathy, right? Right. right. And that Pam is, you know, uh, she can't think straight and she's like not able to do a lot of things. And Robert, yeah. you know, she's eventually she becomes kind of a support character for Nellie at the end of the season. But. She's not the same sort of 
in the she's not in the thick of it the way that she is in so many other seasons. She's such a tertiary character in the season eight. And granted, I, I'm assuming this because she was pregnant in real life. She, she, she was, yeah. yeah. So she took a maternity leave, right? right. So she Did you wasn't. Say she was in every episode. Is that? I think so. Yeah, she. Isn't there a well, couple she's not in? Uh, or maybe I mean, it's just we hear her on the when phone. When they're in their when they're on their honeymoon, oh, the honeymoon. she's not on the. Sh- there is she's one episode when they're on the honeymoon and she is in it because uh, during the mafia episode, yeah. they call yeah. and, and they talk to Kevin. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, but anyway, so in season eight, Pam is pregnant. That's like a big storyline and she's just not the same, you know? Yeah. And it's such a super interesting dynamic for the show because in season nine, Pam is very much back. They have both their kids, right? And obviously the dynamic is Jim and Pam's sort of relationship, marital issues where they can't really decide on whether or not Jim should do athlete and go to Philly. And like, it's, it's played for a lot of tension. Um, right. But at the end, you know, it does wrap up with them being together, right? It does wrap up with Jim deciding to relinquish his stake in athlete and, uh, go to, you know, back to Scranton. Right. Um, and I think there's an interesting dynamic that we'll probably talk about later. Why, where it seems like Pam doesn't support Jim in his dream where he kind of supported her through him through hers right you know but anyway season nine kind of wraps up mm-hmm. and i'm again painting very broad strokes here with the finale where they're together and pam is told jim that they're going to join athlete they're going to move to austin and it kind of ends with the voiceover of pam saying you know i when i, I can't watch the documentary because i wanted to scream at pam you know jim it took me four years to get to jim and he was 10 feet from me right i feel like i've wasted all these time not being as happy as i could have mm. been you know and then at the end she talks about like there's beauty in ordinary things like isn't that kind of the point right mm-hmm. that wraps up the entire show like pam is the character that gets to put a bow on the show yeah because of you know everything that she's been through and everything that she's done to kind of find this new existence um so i think her character journey is very fulfilling a lot of different stops a lot of different arcs a lot of different turns but uh, if we're just going to wrap up what Pam's arc is like, that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you brought up something important I think we should talk about next, which is sort of like how people's perception of Pam has aged since the show. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to talk about like Pam's public perception. Uh, we, of course... The triple P. Yeah. We, <laughs> we of course... By the are, way, Edwin, that was a very well done, that wrapping up the arc. That was, yeah. That was nice. Thanks, man. I was, talking a, I was talking a lot. And I <laughs> no, was, I know. All right. No, no you're no. getting through it. You're getting through it. <laughs> I was talking. Was I was like, I got to figure out how to <laughs> yeah. land the plane. You got to <laughs> land the plane. Yeah. We got we, we get we get hung up a lot, no, and we wanted to get to the end so that real, we could go. Sometimes a real solely performance. Sometimes I start one of these sentences, and I don't even know where it's going to end. I just hope I find it along the way. I call it an improvisation. Always. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> For any reason. <laughs> um, you have to play to win, but you also have to win to play. But the, Adapt, the, react, readapt, act. <laughs> Pam's uh, public perception. We, of course, are all uh, members of, uh, we here at this table are all members of um, several office fan groups. Um, subreddits, Facebook groups, Knights of the Night, uh, mm-hmm. Instagram meme accounts, mm-hmm. um, book junior, clubs. Junior deputies. I yeah. have noticed, as Boy have Scouts you guys, <laughs> mm-hmm. that Scott's um, tots. There's yeah. some Pam hate out there. There's a lot of Pam hate. Lots out there. of it. And so w- let's address that. Why do people hate Pam? I think it's because I, I think it's mostly because of what how things go in season nine, right? I, I, there's yeah. there are many there and okay. if you list them out i think it kind of goes like this in order right so you have the fact that she cheats on roy and leads jim on you know yeah the fact that she's not really given up on jim or she's still you know connected to jim even when jim is with karen right um she lies to get the office administrator role 
you know? She harasses Danny Cordray about why he wouldn't go out with her. Right. Somebody's okay, brought that yeah, one up. Uh-huh. Um, Brian, the cameraman in season nine, which I guess we totally missed. Like this sort of weird yeah, we don't pseudo romance. My right? least favorite storyline. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, just in fact that like that she didn't support Jim's dream where, when Jim supported her. Mm-hmm. So I guess do any of these stand out to you or, or do you find validity in these reasons? What what I was thinking about and, and trying to understand, you know, People can say why they hate Pam because she did this, because she did that. But it's like, well, you know, Meredith does terrible things. Angela does terrible things. Why do we hate Pam for doing for the reason for pe- making the wrong choices? I think it's for the same reason people like hate politicians is because they, as as time goes on, it's like you, they sort of have to have a sort of well used to maybe have to have some sort of a moral stance and be this like I am a good person that's what they're putting out there and once you do that all people are going to do is be like yeah are they I don't think so mm-hmm. and so the fact that Pam is actually a genuine character who actually cares about people the more time goes on I think cynicism does start to take over and it becomes like she's actually not that great right and as opposed to all these other characters we never expect Angela to be a great person you know, we never expect Kevin to be a mature person. Yeah. But if Pam is asking us to expect her to be this, you know, this the, the main character of the show, then yeah, people are going to come for you. I think I, it's like just people's nature. I have found myself guilty of of Pam hate as well. How dare even you? Though, even though when I first started watching this show, my celebrity crush was Jenna Fisher. And I loved... Pam in the show. Oh yeah, and of course, the, that's folks, you heard her here weakest. first. That is when she's at her weakest in the in the early seasons of the show. So I had to do some self reflection on this. And <laughs> what what I <laughs> I went out into the desert for forty days, we and went, forty nights. We went to the mountain, recorded four episodes. <laughs> I went on a vision quest and met the met the lone iguana on top of the pyramid. <laughs> we once did like a test episode that we never released, trying to discuss. Who we thought the main character of the show? Yeah, yeah that's one right. of our first. Early, it's it's yeah. of course, you know, we can all agree it's an ensemble show. It's about everybody. But if you had to pick somebody to be the the hero of the story, I think it's Pam. Yeah, I do too. That's what I. That's why we. Yeah, I think that's what we discussed in that test recording. Now, that's what yeah. came out as we kind of threw these main characters and bounced them off each other. Right. Like who's who's kind of left standing as the one whose journey you care about? And the answer mm-hmm. is Pam. Whose yeah. struggle is greatest? Mm-hmm. You know, who overcomes the most? What kind of bear is best? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course, Michael disappears and, uh, you, uh, uh, you know, after season seven and everything works out fine for him. Um, he, uh, you know, Jim is sort of, okay from the moment we meet him to the very end of the show right i mean how much how many terrible things does jim go through yeah we don't really see jim in a ton of turmoil ever um pam is in a um you know a, a a bad relationship she has to break it off she has to tell all her family and everything that she's you know um breaking off a wedding she has to live uh she has to watch jim fall in love with someone else um, even though she wanted to break off her engagement to be with him, she fails art school. Her parents get divorced. Michael starts sleeping with uh, her mother. She learns way <laughs> too much about Andy Scrotum. <laughs> she learns way too much about Andy Scrotum. Um, she is She's seen Michael Scrotum. Yeah, mm-hmm. her her second pregnancy is harder than her first. And meanwhile, 
some hot new lady moves into the office and now she and her fiance are down in Florida or sorry, uh, her husband. husband are down in Florida while she is alone in Scranton caring for their two children. Uh, I mean, you know, sh- she is constantly overcoming barriers and we do see her struggle and make the wrong decisions. And I think that the reason that people hate her, which they will not admit to themselves, <laughs> is because they see themselves in her, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You want yourself to make the right decision right so when you see pam do something that you don't agree with that's very hard to watch Hmm. it's a great point it's a really good point so there you go i think two things Mm -hmm. and i've and i've come up with this more when i was thinking more about jim because jim is the other character that receives a lot of hate in hindsight right a lot of h-i-h sure so and we'll address that when we talk about jim eventually but i think the idea is that we have no expectations for Angela or Creed or Kevin or Meredith, and we have tons of expectations for Jim. We expect Jim to do the right thing, to be the, to be a better guy, to do all these things, and he often does it, right? And especially later in the show that's played for laughs, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we have these expectations of Pam as well, that she's going to be similarly, like, I guess, altruistic or something, that she's always going to do the right things, right? And we again, it's like you have to be, if you're going to hold one character to a standard, like you, you got to hold the other characters to a standard. And mm-hmm. likewise, if you're not going to hold any of the characters to into this comedy show to a standard, like you don't necessarily have to hold Pam up to that as well. Mm-hmm. I think the other piece of it is that if, if you look at all these decisions that we, that the people don't like about Pam, they're the same things that we called out as character development moments, you know, right. just minutes ago. Right. right. And, it, and it's her acting in her own self-interest. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like these, if you're going to like portray these actions as negative or reasons to not like Pam, yeah. it's because she's being selfish. Right. Cheated on Jim, led Jim on, right? You know, doesn't support Jim's dream or whatever, right? Or she lies to get the office administrator role, right? Like a lot of those things that you you would see them as being selfish, right? But if you were talking about Pam trying to find her way and giving her maybe that grace or that that doubt that she isn't going to do the right thing all the time. Mm-hmm. But we do kind of, her character development is about asserting herself or trying to find herself or trying to out kind of grow up out of the concrete, right? If you want to use that metaphor of like a rose yeah. to the mm-hmm. concrete, right? Mm-hmm. She has to kind of fight through these things and kind of assert herself, right? Like, yeah, she has to like stand up for herself and break off the relationship she doesn't want to be in. Right. She has to stand up, you know, to, you know, to kind of tell Jim that she doesn't want to go along with whatever he's doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And like that, that's, that's what it is. It's a, it's a flip side of either coin, you know, like you are uh, two sides of the same coin. Yeah. yeah. By, by season yeah. nine, Pam's been through so much mm-hmm. and she's like, here we are. I made all the right decisions. I broke off this relationship that I was definitely just going to go along with, uh, you know, turned my life upside down, you know, took all these risks, accomplished so much. Now here we are. We're comfortable. We we did it. Like, why does Jim want more? Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, I can I, I can understand that. I mean, she never exactly puts it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, no. It doesn't she, help she, that we we can clearly see that Brian, the sound guy, is into her, and but she needs yeah. a friend in that she moment. Does, yeah. Michael Scott's gone. She does have a moment where I love that Michael Scott would be the go-to friend. I love. <laughs> there's a moment where uh, you know would. there's a moment where she's talking to Nelly, I think it is, hmm. and she says he bought our house without telling me. Like he started this job without telling me. Like you know he you yeah. know. 
Why like, is Jim so great? Right. <laughs> <laughs> this idea that like Jim is making these big decisions without her, that she doesn't feel looped into the conversation for these yeah. big family decisions. That's right. very fair. You know, I think that's that's part of it. And then Nellie says, don't worry, we'll find you a new man who's rich. Cut to and Filipino is what she says. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's 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 part of it. Right. Is that Jim, that Pam doesn't feel included in this kind of decision making? Yeah. Yeah. Right, which, which I'm sure echoes some feelings she's had, you know, over the course of the whole show. Mm-hmm. And at a base level, you know, she is a main character of this show. Therefore, she's going to have a lot more screen time. The f- documentary crew is filming her a lot more than other people, and you're just gonna you're just gonna get a lot more moments of whole of her, good and bad, whatever. Like you just get a lot more of that. And so as time goes on and people start picking Pam apart, it's like, well, yeah, if you had a documentary crew follow you for nine years. I'm sure people would tear you to bits. Like, yeah. that's just how it would go. As yeah. as Kevin says, if you record someone long enough, they're bound to do something stupid. It's only human natural. <laughs> right. And I think I think I think it's outweighed. I think all the stuff you can detract from Pam is is outweighed by the moments and the kindness that she does show. Like her relationship with Dwight is really sweet. I wanted to, I'm I'm not going to we don't have to go on and on and on, but yeah. I, but I did want to go back to an episode that it, uh, some stuff that we kind of skipped over at the end of season three. That episode mm-hmm. that we talked about, where that there's that moment where that ends with Jim asking her out to dinner, and that's a really sweet moment. Well, that whole episode is um, uh, Jim going off to New York, interviewing for a new job with Karen, Michael thinking that he got this new job. Both of those people are gone the people that she's kind of becoming closer to in the office. And, you know, she kind of takes this on as an opportunity to see where this is going. She sort of, like, befriends Dwight, you know, decides that she's going to be the secret assistant to the assistant to the regional Mm -hmm. manager. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, they... Uh, I mean, before that, there's, you know, the dead bird and things like that. You know, she tries to make the most of her situation. And I think that that's something that makes that moment right before Jim come comes in, especially heartbreaking. You know, mm. that we're just watching. She's, you know, she's still trying to make the most she's of it. She's making the best of it. Yeah. yeah. And she does. We watch her do that over and over and over again. Uh-huh. And by the time you get to season nine. She's exhausted, which is probably <laughs> yeah, which is fair. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, and and besides Michael, who has a cathartic moment every episode, like she by far has the most. We see her have the most cathartic moments. I mm. feel like out of anyone in the show. Mm. Um, Beach games comes to mind. I mean the uh, uh, the proposal. I mean the, their entire wedding. You know all of this. We see Pam experiencing all of these you know highs and lows in a way that we don't see any other character except Michael, because mm-hmm. Michael's obviously gonna. It's the biggest whirlwind. <laughs> I think too, the idea that you can you you can go back and you can make you know you can it's it's a it's almost like reading a text or a book in English class, right? You can go back and read these characters and these decisions however you want, right? Mm-hmm. And I think if you do go back and you read Pam's decisions as selfish instead of self you know asserting herself or acting in her own self interest, right? It's uh you know maybe it can be a fine line. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that you're looking back at the whole show in hindsight. That you're looking at you're looking at the beginning point and the end point, and you're looking at all the points in between, right? Mm-hmm. I think when you're watching the show 
for the first time, or maybe you're like you're watching Pam because in in theory, right, this character only goes through this life once, right? Like I think as you watch it, you don't feel that way, but when you go back and you can see with the benefit of hindsight, with the benefit of completion, mm-hmm. with the benefit of having every episode and every moment to reference, you can maybe read those decisions as more selfish. So I think that that's kind of where that reading comes in. I think the microphone, the microphone, the microwave gets a lot of play. Oh I yeah, always hear that oh, as yeah. a reason people don't like Pam. It's just this one thing of the whole microwave incident, and yeah. it's like if you're a really, really, really like good roommate or something, and you have a bunch of bad roommates, it's like the first time you do something bad, it's a huge deal, and everyone's like, "Whoa!" It's like, no, 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 like. You you try keeping a kitchen with all of the people in the office. Like I'm sure that would get extremely annoying. <laughs> and it's like I so a lot of the moments I feel like people bash on Pam for are like completely understandable. Right, right. Like, of course, you're you're like the mom in this office. Like La- it would it would be really hard. Last night there was a car on our street <laughs> that uh, that the alarm was going off over and over again at midnight. Oof. And I s- seriously considered. <laughs> Writing a note that said, fuck you. (laughs) Your car alarm was going off all night and going downstairs and putting it on the windshield. What would that have accomplished? (laughs) I'd be the asshole. Yeah. That person didn't know their car alarm was going off all night. Sincerely disappointed. All right. All right, Richie. Yeah. Just because someone holier than thou. (laughs) Just because someone likes things clean doesn't mean they're rich. Yeah, they're rich. How would wiping it with a paper towel make things worse? I would find a way, Pam. Mm -hmm. Pam Beasley. Pam. Pamela Morgan Beasley. I think that wraps up. Everything we had on Pam. This was a very long, sprawling it episode. Was. I think. Yeah. Can we I do think, a quick hit? I mean, like you know. favorite Pam moments. What do you think? Uh, that's a good question. Favorite Pam moments. I'll I'll start out. Yeah. But just for one of the, I think one of the funniest moments she has is when she makes fun of D'Angelo's juggling. Oh yeah. In the break room, I just love that moment. <laughs> she's like juggling. No hands. And then when she's doing the whole bit when. Uh, Creed is the manager and she's like pretending to be all the clients. Oh, oh yeah. that uh, 100%. That I think is such that's an like amazing one. one of the better, like just, Pam is so funny and it, you don't get to see her I kind just of love paper yeah. and all things. Paper. <laughs> you don't get to see her be that silly that often. This and, sounds like yeah, a marriage really nice. to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kismet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great, great Pam moment. Uh, and of course uh, my only other one would be her speech in beach games mm. is mm. is like it's right in the midpoint of the whole show it's just like it has so much weight it's just it's awesome her her speech in chilies mm-hmm. oh yeah i feel god in this chilies tonight i love the moment in the injury when she realized that dwight is kind of her friend oh <laughs> yes. yeah oh my god dwight's kind of my friend yeah. yeah and then like that is the way that their relationship plays out through the rest of yeah. the show yeah. yeah she's like and then and then at the end i don't even remember when this happens oh uh Dwight is either going to do his karate kicks or he's going to do the family portrait studio. Or there's something where like harm might befall Pam. And she's like, Dwight, you and I have always been very close. Remember your concussion? Yeah. <laughs> she says, yeah. He says, yes, I remember. But you also married my greatest enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in, uh, yeah. And Pam's replacement mm-hmm. rewatching it, but which by the way, I think, I think might be one of the best Dwight episodes in the entire show. Oh, is season eight. Yes. I know this that. One, yeah. Every single line, Rain Wilson, every moment Dwight has an episode is just incredible. Mm-hmm. But the whole moment where Pam is like, everyone's being nice to me because I'm pregnant. And she's like, Dwight, 
am I pretty? And like the conversation that they have of Dwight yeah. just being like, well, most males are just trying to impregnate females, which is the drawing factor in attraction. So you're at an all time low. Like they have this, this whole conversation and she, the way she accepts it, she's like, like hmm. hmm. And she sure. goes with it. And then she's, yeah. she makes the joke in the break room of like, oh, you guys like someone having hot where Pam used to sit? And they're like, yeah. no. And she's like, I'm kidding. I get it. Like even I want some fries with that shake. Or, you know, she sets a gym later. Yeah. But, um, that, I think that whole episode is a really, really like we see Pam co- comfortable with who she is, even though she's like she still has some nagging feelings. It's fantastic. I that quote that you played at the top of the show where she's like, <laughs> and then you said Pam, 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 and then you sneezed in my tea, and you said, "Don't worry, it's just allergies." Remember that? <laughs> I love that line. I also, I also love when uh, Dwight uh, becomes acting manager. And uh, people aren't listening to his lecture, and she's just like, "Hey guys, come on, let's listen <laughs> yeah. to Dwight's lecture." <laughs> I love when Michael comes up and she says, "Knock knock," he's with Dwight, and he says, "Knock knock," and Pam says, "Who?" and he goes, "Buddha." She goes, "Buddha who?" and he puts this butter, this stick of butter on her desk, and he goes, butter "Buddha this, <laughs> Buddha this bread for me, will you?" And he's like, "Now I've got butter." She, he, and he's like, "I need something for my hands." And Pam goes, "And there's butter on my on my desk." <laughs> There's butter on my desk. Uh, I love some of her responses to Michael. are just so I'll, good. I'll give you a my, quick... Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. Oh, my mind is going a mile a minute, a mile an hour. <laughs> that fast. <laughs> that fast. <laughs> the one where they bring... She, they bring okay, so it's the, at the end of the Michael Scott Paper Company arc where Michael comes in and fake fires Pam and yeah. then hires Pam, right? Uh-huh. Right. And then she, she, he says, uh, Ryan did not take it so well when I gave him the job when and I took it that, away. Yeah. And then he says, hey, what's the new receptionist name? And she goes, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she, knows, yeah. she knows exactly what Michael's <laughs> going to do to Aaron. Yeah. Uh, when she's setting up the new copier and Kevin's like, you said it would be suit. <laughs> and he's like, suit could be now or like three weeks. And he's like, does, it does is mean, today. Does yeah. that mean... Does three weeks mean soon for you, Kevin? <laughs> Sometimes. Well, then it'll be done soon. <laughs> uh, Pamela Morgan Beasley, we love you. What a keeper. It is time for a conference room. All right, you know what? That's it. Conference room, five minutes. Okay, so for this week's conference room segment, uh, especially talking about Pam, I was, I, I was, I thought of this video. Uh, it happens on ESPN's morning show called Get Up. It's from a few years ago, but Rain Wilson, or no, uh, last year I guess, Rain Wilson went on uh, that show to promote the Meg, which he's in that movie about the big shark. Which right, is right, yeah, yeah, worth and, seeing, by the way. Yeah, mm. and he's a noted Seahawks fan, Rain Wilson. So they're there talking about the movie. They're talking about sports. And Ryan Rosillo, who is a podcast host, ESPN kind of personality, eventually stops and he's like. Now that you're here, I have to talk about The Office. And he brings up all these things about Pam that he doesn't <laughs> like. And he goes through the laundry list of all the things yeah, that he talked about. Yeah, yeah. And Raiden Wilson is kind of like, um. And the reason this is kind of interesting is that's like live on ESPN. Yes. Like this is not. We're there to talk about sports. Yes. <laughs> this is like. And Ryan, and Ryan Russillo had tweeted this before. Like he's talked about this before. He loves The Office, but he, you know, he's, you know, seen the show and come to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. And so. He does confront Rain Wilson about this, and Rain Wilson's like, uh, "So how about those Seahawks, right?" Mm-hmm. So he kind of flips it around and makes it back to a. He's funny got a thing. lot of like lifelong bachelor takes on Pam. But. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my, <laughs> so my question for you is: If you could talk to any actor from The Office about their character, Whoa. who would it be? Oh. Or about another character, mm. let's say. So let's say if you wanted to talk to Val about Daryl, you could. Mm. <laughs> 
Really quick, just you mentioned Val because I, I watched the vandalism episode. Mm-hmm. Dude, Pam's mural gets vandalized, and like she's like Val, like she's like anyone. Can anyone see this? This is crazy. And Val just like closes the door to her office. <laughs> it's like. Yo, someone like care that yeah. someone defaced this mural that's in your place you another, work. Anyway, sorry. Another reason why I love Brian, the sound guy, <laughs> came to her came to her defense. Um, um, to answer your question, yeah, I uh, want to talk about to Brian, the sound guy. <laughs> I'd like to talk to BJ Novak. I mean, for a lot of things because he was writing so much. Jack Drew plays Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd want to know what he kind of orig- maybe initially what he thought Ryan would be and who Ryan became. Hmm. And if there was any uh, character developments that he regretted over hmm. the course of the show or just like wished he might have, he would have done differently. I guess him and I mean him and Mindy, but I'm curious more about Ryan's character, like what they planned with it. Cause it felt a little lost the last few seasons. That's mm-hmm. all. That's a good one. Yeah. I would like to talk to John Krasinski about Jim and the things that happened with Jim in the later seasons. And I think one thing that comes out, if you watch the early commentaries, they talk about how John Krasinski is actually like a really funny actor, but we never get to give him anything funny to do because mm-hmm. he's a straight man, right? Mm-hmm. And over the and like as the show evolves, he actually gets a ton of comedic stuff to do. He gets to be really silly. He gets to make mistakes. He gets right, to look right. bad. Dwight's like, Christmas. Dwight, you know. He yeah. has to play Chuck. Yeah. Right, I begged right. you to play Chuck. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't play Chuck. <laughs> Look at me, Jim. This is Dwight. He's looking at me, Jim. This is not the face of, of Chuck. This is the scary face that appears before you die. <laughs> just, just reminded me of another quote. From, uh, I don't see what's so bad. He's got the broad face of a brewer. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of the plain, hardy women of Scranton. Uh, I'd love to talk to Ed Helms about oh, what yeah. the hell happened with Andy. <laughs> How he felt about that. Yeah. Well, did he? That's does he feel one. good about that? <laughs> I'm sure he does. I, <laughs> Feels good about all yeah. the money he made. Uh, you think Andy? You think Ed Helms is like deeply conflicted over what happened over the last like five seasons of The mm-hmm. Office? I don't yeah. know if he does. Uh, I'd love to talk to Angela about like how she's perceived in public mm-hmm. versus who she is because she doesn't seem like Angela at all from no. what I've seen and like no, not at interactions all. like quite the opposite. Um, so I kind of like. Angela's take on some other characters and where, you know, she feels like she fits in the show. I think she'd have some interesting perspectives because she's not, she's as close a thing the show, the office has to a villain. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of left to pick her brain on that. I know, I sorry, I'm going back. I know that Ed Helms <laughs> probably isn't like, I just feel like he had to go back and adjust that character a few different times. So I'd like to ask more specifically about that. You know, like, mm-hmm. what, like I, I mean, you know, there are, there are actors who like journal and character and things like that so that they can, you know, so that they know what their motivation is for every scene and how to behave. And his behavior changes several times. So I just kind of wonder mm-hmm. if maybe it's just how he was feeling that year or... <laughs> I think your strategy of being more specific would work a lot better than your what the hell happened plan. <laughs> That you initially yeah, let off. Like, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd prepare a few questions, okay? I think the other one is Steve Carell, and I'm curious oh, as to how Steve Carell... So, obviously, Steve Carell plays this really outlandish comedic character for seven seasons on TV, 
And then you see, I mean, of course, with some exception, like as he becomes a movie star, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like Steve Carell does less and less comedic roles. He takes these very dramatic turns. Yeah. Even if they're funny. Foxcatcher. Yeah. Or even if they're funny or they're Marlin. like, they're, uh, they're, they're, it's a dramatic movie, but he still has funny lines and things like that. So heartfelt movies. I'm very heartfelt. curious to see how, think how he sees his legacy as an actor and how that, you know, having done that for so long influenced with the decisions he made later in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's good though. Good one. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Oh, please. Oh, that would be great. Guys, please let us know what <laughs> you think. Questions you'd ask actors. In- Facebook, Twitter, yep. Instagram. Call us, 503-694-9314. Let us know what questions you would ask us, if you could ask us anything. Yeah. yeah. We'll answer them. Yeah. Before, do you want to wrap up with trivia? I, we Before have we to wrap up with show. trivia. We I have always, to. Abs- I know I just did the... Absolutely, the, I do. Yeah. Absolutely. All righty. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. And what would this episode be without some Pam trivia? Ooh. Obviously, we're just focusing on Pam. I, I jumped through some episodes, found oh, some wow. questions. And let's see how this goes. This is in no particular order. We're going to jump around. Um, starting in season nine, what exactly is vandalized on Pam's mural? What part? Like she dro- No, no. What is the vandalism? Oh, it's butts. butts. It's butts and... Oh, it's There's like two butts. It's like words. It's like this. And then two words. It's like this sucks or like yeah. something. Yep. That's it's what it says? Two butts and this sucks. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> 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 it's just like, so childish. Two butts. Um, okay. Uh, in Pam's replacement, Dwight and Pam are working together to figure out if Jim is attracted to Kathy. And right. Dwight sets three rules for him and Pam while working on this operation. What are those three rules? I don't know. Whoa. It's like you might not like what I find or something like yeah. that. Or like Loyalty to the truth. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. We stop at nothing and don't fall in love. <laughs> 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 Which Pam agrees to. That's if you're hired. <laughs> yes. If you haven't fallen in love with me first. Yes. What? <laughs> uh, who is, what is the name of the prospective intern that Pam talks to at the job fair? Oh. Justin Paul Snack. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Very good. This Very just good. in. Yeah. Justin Paul Snack. Yeah. He wrote his name on the paper. Pam. This was a canvas <laughs> to people to draw. You could dreams. be you could be a janitor with dignity or a friendly cashier. <laughs> the way the way the way Steve Carell is like, excuse me, and he's like, we want the best. And then he turns and addresses him and goes, Hi. Hi. <laughs> so funny. Uh, all right. So we see Pam. Uh, she owns two cars through the course of the show. Mm. One of them she cones with Jim, and we start in season six. It is like a r- red Prius thing. No, she is a. It's a 2010 Subaru Outback. Okay. Is what her and Jim have. Mm-hmm. But after she breaks up with Roy, she buys this car. What car does she drive? Oh man, I remember her talking about buying the car. It's a. I don't know. It's a Honda or something. Or like a, no, you were close. It's a, it's a know. it's a blue Toy- Toyota Yaris. Okay. Oh, which is okay. Very, yeah, blue. To- oh, yeah. blue. Dark blue, gray, dark okay. blue, gray. Kind oh, yeah. of that's a di- that's you see a her driving it a couple deep, times. Deep, deep cut. Yeah. I'm only going deep for you guys. I gotta pay attention. I gotta know what everyone's cars this are. It's gonna be hard. I, I don't mean, know what people's. The cars point of this are. trivia is not to get them right. Yeah. Um, it's to learn weird facts. Um. Their daughter's middle name, uh, Cece's middle name is Marie. Marie. Um, What's your daughter's name? Pee pee? <laughs> Peepa. Yes. Uh, by the way, Jenna Fisher was granted naming rights by the show producers, hmm. who chose oh. to name her after her own niece. 
There you go. Hmm. Um, Peepa? <laughs> what episode, after after Pam's maternity leave in the show, what episode did we see her actually returning into the office it's with Philip? The, it's the, um, the, oh, returning into the office with Philip. Yes. Jury duty. Nine. Yes, oh. it's jury duty. Very oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the episode. I was thinking of back. Happy Hour when she I comes out. I was going to say the yeah. Dave and Buster's yeah. episode. Sid and Dexter's. But uh, she doesn't come back with the kid. Mm-hmm. How old were Pam and Roy engaged for when the sh- when we start the show? How long were they engaged How long for? were they engaged for? Uh, seven years? Six years? Something like that? No, sorry. When we first, when we first meet Roy and Pam, uh, how long have they been engaged for? Two years? I don't know. Three. Three years. Yes. That was Three a years and running. Yes. <laughs> uh, you already said Pam's middle name, which is... Morgan. Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know her birthday? <laughs> no. March 25th, 1979. Um, oh, oh, Pam is one of at least four Sabre Dunder Mifflin employees who leaks the story about the printer fires. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How does Pam... What's her leak? How does she do it? She's talking to someone at daycare who's like got some interesting story and she's got to come up with an interesting story. Yeah, that's right. She says, you know, our printers catch on fire. It turns out she's a reporter. Yes, correct. Tell inadvertently tells the wife of a reporter at the local newspaper. Very good. Um, Let's see. Oh, last one here. (laughs) That is a a Pam moment that I love. The way that she's telling that story to Chip. Uh, (laughs) All right. Last one. Um, over the course of the show, we generally hear or get to know the names of most of Pam's family. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. name as much of Pam's family. I have a list of okay. one, Helene. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wow. I have eight people, potentially nine in her family. Jeez. Mm. Okay. So let's see if we can get them. Uh, Helene. Uh, Cecilia, her grandmother. No, not Cecilia. Sylvia. Sylvia. Very Sylvia. nice. Yes. And, it and if it's a boy, Silvio. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Philip, her grandfather. Correct. Do so we count nine. do we count the sons? Yeah. The kid do we count the children Phillip as well? Philip and Cece, Phillip there's and five. Cece, there's five. Penny, her sister. Yes. There's another sister. She doesn't have two sisters, does she? D- no, no. The other no? one is a cousin and her father. Ah, frick. Ah, what's her father's name? Jim? Michael. <laughs> <laughs> William Beasley. William William Beasley. Frick. And her cousin. Christy Kelly. (laughs) Isabel. No. No. Oh, Jocelyn Webster. Jocelyn Webster. Very nice. (laughs) And you're missing the knife. One more. She's really into mountain biking. Not so much lately. (laughs) It's her her husband. Jim. Jim. (laughs) Oh, 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 gosh. (laughs) Sorry. James Gunn. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's all I got. Mm -hmm. Uh, thank you, Alex, for that wonderful trivia, and thank you, listeners, for listening and sticking with us through this marathon. But you guys, it's a binge, fun run. You don't always have to listen. You can talk to us. You can reach us. You can tweet us through social media: Facebook, Twitter at Michael Scott Pod, Instagram. Instagram at Michael Scott Podcast Company, and we have a phone number that you can call. That number is five zero three. Six nine four nine three one four. Call and leave us a message. We play them on the show. Questions, comments, funny stories. We want to hear it. Stump and us. Get a question. Stump all of us. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much again. Thank you. Please uh, tune in next week. Until next time. Pippity poppy, give me the solid. Yes, sir. Ta-da!
The truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.